Section 7 of Mother Earth, Volume 1, Number 4, June 1906. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Louise J. Bell Mother Earth, Number 4 The Antichrist From The Antichrist By Friedrich Nietzsche Edited by Alexander Tilly Translated by Thomas Common Publishers, Macmillan and Company, New York I make war against this theological instinct. I have found traces of it everywhere. Whoever has theological blood in his veins is, from the very beginning, ambiguous and disloyal with respect to everything. The pathos which develops therefrom calls itself belief. The closing of the eye once for all, with respect to oneself, so as not to suffer from the sight of incurable falsity. A person makes for himself a morality, a virtue, a sanctity out of this erroneous perspective towards all things. He unites the good conscience to the false mode of seeing, he demands that no other mode of perspective be any longer of value. After he has made his own sacrosanct with the names of God, Salvation, and Eternity. I have digged out the theologist instinct everywhere. It is the most diffused, the most peculiarly subterranean form of falsity that exists on earth. What a theologian feels as true must needs be false. One has therein almost a criterion of truth. It is his most fundamental self-preservative instinct, which forbids reality to be held in honor, or even to find expression on any point. As far as theologist influence extends, the judgment of value is turned right about. The concepts of true and false are necessarily reversed. What is most injurious to life is here called true. What raises, elevates, affirms, justifies, and makes it triumph is called false. Let us not underestimate this. We ourselves, we free spirits, are already a transvaluation of all values, an incarnate declaration of war against and triumph over all old concepts of true and untrue. The most precious discernments into things are the latest discovered. 
the most precious discernments however are the methods all methods all presuppositions of our present-day science have for millenniums been held in the most profound contempt by reason of them a person was excluded from intercourse with honest men he passed for an enemy of god a despiser of truth a possessed person as a scientific man a person was a shandala we have had the entire pathos of mankind against us their concept of that which truth ought to be which the service of truth ought to be every thou shalt has been hitherto directed against us our objects our practices our quiet prudent mistrustful mode all appeared to mankind as absolutely unworthy and contemptible in the end one might with some reasonableness ask oneself if it was not really an aesthetic taste which kept mankind in such long blindness they wanted a picturesque effect from truth they wanted in like manner the knowing ones to operate strongly on their senses our modesty was longest against the taste of mankind oh how they made that out these turkey cocks of god the christian concept of god god as god of the sick god as cobweb spinner god as spirit is one of the most corrupt concepts of god ever arrived at on earth it represents perhaps the gauge of low water in the descending development of the god type god degenerated to the contradiction of life instead of being its transfiguration and its eternal yea in god hostility announced to life to nature to the will to life god as the formula for every calumny of this world for every lie of another world in god nothingness deified the will to nothingness declared holy that the strong races of northern europe have not thrust from themselves the christian god is verily no honor to their religious talent not to speak of their taste they ought to have got the better of such a sickly and decrepit product of decadence there lies a curse upon them because they have not got the better of it they have incorporated sickness old age and contradiction into all their instincts they have created no god since two millenniums almost and not a single new god but still continuing and as if persisting by right 
as an ultimatum and maximum of the God-shaping force, of the creator spiritus in man, this pitiable god of Christian monotonotheism. This hybrid image of ruin, derived from nullity, concept, and contradiction, in which all decadent instincts, all cowardices and lassitudes of soul, have their sanction. Has the celebrated story been really understood, which stands at the commencement of the Bible? The story of God's mortal terror of science? It has not been understood. This priest book par excellence begins, appropriately, with the great inner difficulty of the priest. He has only one great danger. Consequently, God has only one great danger. The old God, entire spirit, entire high priest, entire perfection, promenades in his garden. He only wants pastime. Against tedium, even gods struggle in vain. What does he do? He contrives man. Man is entertaining. But behold, man also wants pastime. The pity of God for the only distress which belongs to all paradises has no bounds. He forthwith created other animals besides. The first mistake of God, man did not find the animals entertaining. He ruled over them, but did not even want to be an animal. God consequently created woman. And, in fact, there was now an end of tedium, but of other things also. Woman was the second mistake of God. Woman is in her essence a serpent, Hera. Every priest knows that from woman comes all the mischief in the world. Every priest knows that likewise. Consequently, science also comes from her. Only through woman did man learn to taste of the tree of knowledge. What had happened? The old god was seized by a mortal terror. Man himself had become his greatest mistake. He had created a rival. Science makes godlike. It is at an end with priests and gods if man becomes scientific. Moral, science is the thing forbidden in itself. It alone is forbidden. Science is the first sin, the germ of all sin, original sin. This alone is morality. Thou shalt not know. 
the rest follows therefrom. By his mortal terror, God was not prevented from being shrewd. How does one defend oneself against science? That was, for a long time, his main problem. Answer? Away with man, out of paradise. Happiness and leisure lead to thoughts. All thoughts are bad thoughts. Man shall not think. And the priest in himself contrives distress, death, the danger of life in pregnancy. Every kind of misery, old age, weariness, and, above all, sickness. Nothing but expedience in the struggle against science. Distress does not permit man to think. And, nevertheless, frightful. The edifice of knowledge towers aloft. Heaven storming. Dawning on the gods. What to do? The old god contrives war. He separates the peoples. He brings it about that men mutually annihilate one another. The priests have always had need of war. War, among other things, a great disturber of science. Incredible. Knowledge, the emancipation from the priest, augments, even in spite of wars. And a final resolution is arrived at by the old god. Man has become scientific. There is no help for it. He must be drowned. I have been understood. The beginning of the Bible contains the entire psychology of the priest. The priest knows only one great danger. That is science, the sound concept of cause and effect. But science flourishes, on the whole, only under favorable circumstances. One must have superfluous time. One must have superfluous intellect in order to perceive. Consequently, man must be made unfortunate. This has, at all times, been the logic of the priest. One makes out what has only thereby come into the world in accordance with this logic. Sin. The concepts of guilt and punishment, the whole moral order of the world, have been devised in opposition to science, in opposition to a severance of man from the priest. Man is not to look outwards. He is to look inwards, into himself. 
he is not to look prudently and cautiously into things like a learner he is not to look at all he is to suffer and he is so to suffer as to need the priest always a savior is needed the concepts of guilt and punishment inclusive of the doctrines of grace of salvation and of forgiveness lies through and through and without any psychological reality have been contrived to destroy the causal sense in man they are an attack on the concepts of cause and effect and not an attack with the fists with the knife with honesty in hate and love but springing from the most cowardly most deceitful and most ignoble instincts a priest's attack a parasite's attack a vampirism of pale subterranean bloodsuckers when the natural consequences of a deed are no longer natural but are supposed to be brought about by the conceptual spectres of superstition by gods by spirits by souls as mere moral consequences as reward punishment suggestion or means of education the prerequisite of perception has been destroyed the greatest crime against mankind has been committed sin repeated once more this form of human self-violation par excellence has been invented for the purpose of making impossible science culture every kind of elevation and nobility of man the priest rules by the invention of sin i condemn christianity i bring against the christian church the most terrible of all accusations that ever an accuser has taken into his mouth it is to me the greatest of all imaginable corruptions it has had the will to the ultimate corruption that is at all possible the christian church has left nothing untouched with its depravity it has made a worthlessness out of every value a lie out of every truth a baseness of soul out of every straightforwardness let a person still dare to speak to me of its humanitarian blessings to do away with any state of distress whatsoever was counter to its profoundest expediency it lived by states of distress it created states of distress 
in order to perpetuate itself eternally. The worm of sin, for example. It is only the church that has enriched mankind with this state of distress. Humanitarian blessings of Christianity. To breed out of humanitas a self-contradiction, an art of self-violation, a will to the lie at any price, a repugnance, a contempt for all good and straightforward instincts. Those are, for me, blessings of Christianity. Parasitism as the sole praxis of the Church. Drinking out all blood, all love, all hope for life, with its anemic ideal of holiness. The other world as the will, to the negation of every reality. The cross as the rallying sign for the most subterranean conspiracy that has ever existed against healthiness, beauty, well-constitutedness, courage, intellect, benevolence of soul, against life itself. This eternal accusation of Christianity, I shall write on all walls, wherever there are walls, I have letters for making even the blind see. I call Christianity the one great curse, the one great intrinsic depravity, the one great instinct of revenge, for which no expedient is sufficiently poisonous, secret, subterranean, mean. I call it the one immortal blemish of mankind. End of section seven. Recording by Louise J. Bell. Sebastopol, California.